Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we're reading Matthew 26, verses 69 to 75, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 26, verses 69 to 75. Now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came up to him and said, You also were Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went outside to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, This man was a Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath. I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you too are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. This is the word of the Lord. If the gospel had been a mere invention of man, we would never have been told that one of its principal preachers was once so weak and erring as to deny his master. The first thing that demands our notice is the full nature of the sin of which Peter was guilty. It was a great sin. We see a man who had followed Christ for three years and been forward in professing faith, and love towards him, a man who had received boundless mercies and loving kindness and been treated by Christ as a familial friend, we see this man denying three times that he knows Jesus. This was bad. It was sin committed under circumstances of great aggravation. Peter had been plainly warned of this danger and had heard the warning He had just been receiving the bread and wine at our Lord's hand and declaring loudly that though he died with him, he would not deny him. This also was bad. It was a sin committed under apparently small provocation. Two weak women made the remark that he was with Jesus. Those who stood by said, surely you are one of them. No threat seems to have been used. No violence seemed to have been done. But it was enough to overthrow Peter's faith. He denies before all. He denies with an oath. He curses and swears. Truly, this is a humbling picture. Let us mark this history and store it up in our minds. It teaches us plainly that the best of saints are only men, and men encompassed with many infirmities. A man may be converted to God, have faith and hope and love towards Christ, and yet be overtaken in a fault and have dreadful falls. It shows us the necessity of humility. So long as we are in the body, we are in danger. The flesh is weak and the devil is active. We must never think, I cannot fall. It points out to us the duty of charity towards erring saints. We must not set down men as graceless reprobates because they occasionally stumble and err. We must remember Peter and restore them in a spirit of meekness. Galatians 6.1 The second thing that demands our notice is the series of steps by which Peter was led to deny his Lord. 
These steps are mercifully recorded for our learning. The Spirit of God has taken care to have them written down for the perpetual benefit of the Church of Christ. Let us trace them out one by one. The first step to Peter's fall was self-confidence. He said, Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. The second step was indolence. His master told him to watch and pray. Instead of doing so, he slept. The third step was cowardly compromising. Instead of keeping close to his master, he first forsook him, then followed him from afar. The last step was needless venturing into evil company. He went into the priest's palace and sat with the servants like one of themselves. And then came the final fall, the cursing, the swearing, and the threefold denial. Startling as it appears, his heart had been preparing for this. It was the fruit of seeds which he himself had sown. He ate the fruit of his own ways. Let us remember this part of Peter's history. It is deeply instructive to all who profess and call themselves Christians. Great illnesses seldom attack the body without a previous train of premonitory symptoms. Great falls seldom happen to a saint without a previous course of secret backsliding. The church and the world are sometimes shocked by the sudden misconduct of some great professor of religion. Believers are discouraged and stumble by it. The enemies of God rejoice in blaspheme. But if the truth could be known, the explanation of such cases would generally be found to have been private departure from God. Men fall in private long before they fall in public. The tree falls with a great crash, but the secret decay which accounts for it is often not discovered until it is down on the ground. The last thing that demands our notice is the sorrow which Peter's sin brought upon him. We read at the end of the chapter, he went out and wept bitterly. These words deserve more attention than they generally receive. Thousands have read the history of Peter's sin, who have thought little of Peter's tears and Peter's repentance. May we have an eye to see and a heart to understand. We see in Peter's tears the close connection between unhappiness and departure from God. It is a merciful arrangement of God that in one sense holiness shall always be its own reward. A heavy heart and an uneasy conscience, a clouded hope and an abundant crop of doubts, will always be the consequence of backsliding and inconsistency. The words of Solomon describe the experience of many inconsistent children of God. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Proverbs 14.14 14. Let it be a settled principle in our religion that if we love inward peace, we must walk closely with God. We see in Peter's bitter tears the grand mark of difference between the hypocrite and the true believer. When the hypocrite is overtaken by sin, he generally falls to rise no more. He has no principle of life within him to rise up again. And if the child of God is overtaken, he rises again by true repentance and by the grace of God amends his ways. Let no man flatter himself that he may sin with impunity because David committed adultery and because Peter denied his Lord. No doubt these holy men sinned greatly, but they did not continue in their sin. They repented greatly. They mourned over their falls. They loathed and abhorred their own wickedness. Well would it be for many 
if they would imitate them in their repentance as well as in their sins. Too many are acquainted with their fall, but not with their recovery. Like David and Peter, they have sinned, but they have not, like David and Peter, repented. The whole passage is full of lessons that ought never to be forgotten. Do we profess to have a hope in Christ? Let us mark the weakness of a believer and the steps that lead to a fall. Have we unhappily backslidden and left our first love? Let us remember that the Savior of Peter still lives. There is mercy for us as well as for him. But we must repent and seek that mercy if we would find it. Let us turn unto God, and he will turn to us. His compassions fail not. Lamentations 3.22 That is the end of Raoul's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. May the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for his glory.